0: Our scripture passage this morning is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It can be found in your few Bibles on page 1,866. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. Therefore... Since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive mercy, and find grace to help us in our time of need. As for the reading of God's word, we pray with me, Heavenly Father. We ask that you would bless the preaching of your word this morning, that we may know the love of Christ, but that we may also know what the love of Christ has purchased for us. Entrance into the throne of grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, So, tasked with uh, preaching on Youth Sunday, last year, I believe, the Gems theme and the Cadets theme was the same, so that made it kind of easy. But this year, they were not the same. One of them, the Gems, was about love how God loves us and the cadets were, were was about prayer and praying to God and so I said how can I merge these two together and I thought of uh, because of God's love we and forgiveness we have access to him we have we have, we could pray to him uh, and I thought a, a wonderful passage that presented that beautifully was Hebrews chapter 4 um, now Kids, um, do you guys know the stories, the Chronicles of Narnia? Are you familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, have you ever seen that movie? Okay. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's um, two interesting parts to the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe that I think are, are really uh, illustrative of what I want to talk to you about this morning. Now, you remember when the kids finally come into Narnia, and uh, the, the Wicked Witch, right? Not the Wicked Witch of the West from, from Oz, but the witch that's in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is chasing after the kids. And they go to Mr. Beaver's house, and they find out that they got to go to Aslan. But the, the, these kids, they'd never met Aslan before. And they say, oh, you know, who's Aslan? Um, and Mr. Beaver's telling them, well, you know, he's, he's a lion, Oh, and then one of the girls, the kid, says, Well, I thought he would be safe. And you can't be safe if he's a lion. And Mr. Beaver tells her, Oh, Aslan, he's, he's not safe, but he's good. He's not safe, but he's good. And if you, you've seen the movie, you know Aslan is this great, ferocious lion, Right? And he, he is powerful and he's strong and he, and he can attack. And, and at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, um, we find out that one of the children is a traitor, Edmund, because he went to the witch's side and he had Turkish delight, which, by the way, if you've ever had Turkish delight, it's disgusting. You think it's great. You're going to watch The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe or read the book, and you're like, oh, Turkish Delight must be really yummy. No, no, no. Um, But he's a traitor. And according to the law of Narnia, all traitors belong to the witch. And so, I don't know if you remember this, but what does Aslan do? Do you remember? He gives himself in the place of Edmund. So that Edmund can go free, right? He says, I will pay the price of the traitor's blood. And he goes and he sacrifices himself. And uh, those two images, those two pictures, right? That we're told that Aslan is not safe. He's not safe. But he's good. And then, that is expressed in the way that Aslan, although he is strong, although he is powerful, although he could have taken the witch out in a moment, lays his life down so that Edmund can go free. It says something, doesn't it? It says something to Edmund, to the other children, to the people and creatures of Narnia, that we know that Aslan is not safe. But we know he's good because we know he'd lay his life down for us. And that's what makes Aslan, you could say, approachable to the people of Narnia. I mean, have you ever thought about that? Narnia, they're they're a bunch of animals, right? And they follow Aslan, who is a meat-eating lion. They trust him. They know he's not safe. But they know. He's good. And that's what I want us to see this morning as we look at this passage. I want us to know that Christ loved us to death so he could live and give us the best. Can you guys say that for me? Christ loved us to death so he could live and give us the best. Alright, I like that. Alright, that. I'm gonna look at three things, okay? I'm gonna look at the first point, which is the sacrifice and the priest. The second point is like us, but not like us, and the third point is the throne of grace. And I want us, as we go through this passage, to think about those two things. The that if Aslan is a picture of God to us, right, then then God is not safe, but he's good. And how does his goodness help us to see that we can approach him, that we can come to him, right? So the first thing that I want to look at is the sacrifice in the priest. And maybe you're wondering, where am I getting that from? Well, you guys know the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament, there were priests. And the priests were instructed to bring sacrifices for the people of God. And these sacrifices were animals, and they represented the forgiveness of sins for the people, Right, But the interesting thing about Christ for us is that he shows his love to us, not in simply being the priest, but in also being the sacrifice. In verse 14, we're told, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So we're told here that we have a high priest. Christ is our mediator. He's the one that goes between us and the Father, right? But what we're not told expressly here in this passage is that Christ's high priesthood is on the basis of his own sacrifice. He is the sacrifice and the priest. Right, and what I want you to think of when I say that is, what does Aslan do in *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*? Right, he doesn't say, "Oh, Edmund's a traitor, um, so um, you, centaur, you go be the uh, you go be the sacrifice." What does he do? He lays his own life down. He is the sacrifice. Christ is our sacrifice, final, perfect. But he's also the high priest. He offers himself as the sacrifice that atones, that cleanses us from our unrighteousness, that frees us from our guilt, that frees us from being traitors, like Edmund. Because if Turkish delight is sin, then we've all had a peace. We've all partaken. We've all enjoyed Turkish delight. So, what we're told here is that Christ is not only our high priest, he is our sacrifice. But what I want us to remember is that it doesn't help us if we have a high priest that's like us in every way. It doesn't help us if we have a high priest that's like us in in every way, right? He has to be different. He has to be better. He has to be greater. Sort of like this. How would you like it if one of your siblings was uh, your parent instead? They're on your level, right? Like what? If, like Peyton, what if Keegan was your dad? You wouldn't like that, right? Because you're at the same place. He can't presume to, to have authority over you. He can't presume to be of any benefit to you because developmentally you're at the same place. You're in the, the same realm. So if we have a high priest that's like us in every way, he can't help us. He can't help us out of, our, out of our craving of Turkish delight. He can't help us out of our Turkish delight addiction, our Turkish delight problem. And You can replace Turkish delight with ice cream or whatever else you, can, you want to think of there since I informed you that Turkish delight is not tasty. Verse 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have been one We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. So that's a beautiful thing to know, right? That Christ, who is not only our high priest, but was himself the sacrifice, is like us in some way. He needs to be like us in some way. Otherwise, we can't relate to him. We can't see him as good. We'll only see him as, as scary. We'll only see him as not safe, right? He's just not safe. But how is he good? Right here we're being told that Christ is good because he can sympathize with us. Because he has been human like us. Because he has suffered the curse like us. But we need to get this. Yet was without sin. Was without sin. This is what I want you all to understand. The comfort of a Savior, the comfort of a Savior who can pull us out of, who can save us out of our addiction to Turkish delight, our fallenness in sin, is only a comfort if he himself does not have that problem. A sinner can't save another sinner. So Christ is like us, but he's not like us. He's like us. He's good. But he's not safe, if I could say it that way. He's not just like us. He's others. He did not fall into sin. He was tempted in every way, but did not sin. The witch offered him Turkish delight, and he said no. And because he said no, he could be the sacrifice that we needed. He could be the high priest. He could serve as the one who makes atonement for all of us Edmunds, all of us traitors. Don't well, you see, that's the reason why Aslan can't say, you, centaur, you go be the sacrifice. Because only the one who's without sin can be the high priest who does not offer a sacrifice for himself to cleanse himself from sin, as every other high priest has done before, But brings himself, his own body, his own life as the sacrifice for our sins. He loved us to death. He loved us to death. So not only is Christ the sacrifice, not only is he the high priest, not only is he like us but not like us, but we're told that that results in something that that results in a response from us. If I were to take a little bit of time and show you what leads up to this passage in Hebrews, you would see that what the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying is that he's writing to an audience who's thinking about leaving the faith, leaving the Christian faith. And he's saying, don't be like that generation. You remember the Old Testament, the generation that went into the promised land, and they they came back and they said, oh, there's giants and there's people and they're really strong and we shouldn't do it. But Joshua and Caleb, they're like, no, we can do it. God is with us, right? And what happened to that generation? Do you remember? Anybody remember? What, what, Zeke? Only Joshua and Caleb survived, right? The rest of them had to wander around in the wilderness for, for years until every one of that generation had passed away. And, and, and the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying, that's scary, right? That's scary that because they didn't have faith in God, because they didn't believe in God, God punished them in this way. And that's what we would say is the not safe part about God, right? That there is a judgment. There is sin. There is righteousness, And we're told right before we come to this passage, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the word of God is like a sword and it's out here slicing and dicing and cutting you guys up, right? And then verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Have you read those words? Have you ever been somewhere in a room or in a dark alley or wherever it may be and nobody was around, but you felt like somebody was watching you? And it gave you an uncomfortable feeling. Well, the writer of the book of Hebrews brings it up a notch and he says, No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you think, if nobody can see you or knows what you're doing, God is watching and God knows. And you might hear that. And you might think to yourself, God is not safe. All this talk about swords and cutting and, All this talk about how God is always watching. There is nowhere in all the earth where God, whom we must give an account to, cannot see us. Cannot know our hearts, our deepest thoughts, and know what we are doing and thinking. And we're going to have to give an account of that someday. And it would be easy to to, to read this and to shirk back and to think that we, we, don't have, we have a not safe God, but I don't know about this, this good God. That we can begin to, to focus upon the qualities of Aslan that are not safe, but not know or understand or experience the qualities of Aslan that are good. And that's why the writer of the book of Hebrews ends this warning about not being like that generation who went out into the wilderness because they did not put faith in God. With the words of comfort of knowing that we have a high priest who was himself the sacrifice, who died on our behalf to cleanse us from sin and unrighteousness and to give us the gift of the Spirit that we might have faith That we have a high priest who sympathizes with us in our weaknesses and knows the struggles of living in a fallen world, but was without sin so he could benefit us. He could save us. He could redeem us. He could bring us out from our situation as traitors and bring us on to the side of goodness. Therefore, my Sunday school... Bible teacher growing up, always used to say, what's the therefore? Therefore, therefore, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is what I want you to come away with. Christ loved us so that he could live. He loved us to death so we could live, so he could live and give us the best. He loved us to death so he could live and give us the best. What I want you to know and consider is that although the children and the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe were warned, Aslan is not safe, but he's good. The moment when Aslan laid down his life for Edmund the traitor, and the moment that Aslan reappeared, resurrected from that death of atoning that he gave, those children will never again wonder. If Aslan was good, if Aslan could be approached, if Aslan could be trusted, if Aslan could be someone who loved them and cared about them. And what I want you to grasp is this, that when we consider the death of Jesus Christ on our behalf, his atoning work on the cross, We should be reminded that that work has made the throne of God a throne of grace. That because God loved us in Christ, because Christ loved us to death, He lives to give us the best. Because Christ loved us to death, we now have access to the Father without fear of condemnation or judgment. That when we consider the word of God, we see it in a way that we know it benefits us, it sharpens us, it cleanses us. And then when we consider the fact that God is always watching and always seeing, we know that as a father, he is too in that. One who's watching out for his children, caring for them. That when we think About that scary throne, the throne room of God, we approach it, not in fear, but with confidence, because Christ, our high priest who is the sacrifice, who is like us but not like us, has gone before us into that throne room that we can enter in and pray to God because of what we've been given in Jesus. So if I could try to pull together the two things, the love of God and praying, I would say that Christ's love for us and the cross makes praying to God possible. Christ loved us to death so that he could live and give us the best. And the best is all access, premium access to the throne room of God to put put before him, our heavenly father, everything that we need, no matter when, no matter where, no matter what time, no matter what circumstances, we, because of Christ Jesus, can go. And ask the Lord for what we need. Aslan's not safe, but he's good. Christ died on the cross to show us the judgment of God that we deserved. That we could see that God is not safe. But he died on the cross also to show us the love of God for his own, that he's good. That we may know God's love for us, that we may have the privilege of prayer as we enter into the throne of grace with confidence. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that we would know through Jesus Christ the great love that you have for us, that Christ, who was not a traitor, who was not a sinner, would become sin for us, that we might know and become the righteousness of God. And Lord, may we know that what Christ has done for us has given us the great privilege of prayer, that we can approach now your throne of grace with confidence. We may receive from you mercy find grace to help us in our times of need. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.